Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Good morning. Happy Easter. Who's already had an Easter egg? I'll let you into a secret. We smashed an Easter egg in half and put half of it over the stove and melted it and put it on pancakes this morning. So that was, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, parents are now thinking, oh, James, why did you say that? Today is such an important day, isn't it? Everything we believe hangs on today. Paul put it in the plainest of terms. He said, if it wasn't for today, our faith is futile, we are dead in our sins, and we are among all people to be pitied most. It's pretty strong language, right? And sometimes, I don't know about you as a Christian, in popular culture it can feel like we're swimming against the tide a little bit. And then we get to Good Friday, and Jesus is dead in the grave. His disciples are questioning everything that he has taught them. And when all seems lost, Jesus rises from the dead, vindicating himself and everything he taught. And I don't know about you, but I get quite emotional at that moment (laughs) when you watch the story back as we did. We watched The Passion of the Christ on Thursday evening and Jesus rises from the dead and you're just like, come on. It changes everything. Praise God that Jesus went to the cross. Praise God that he rose from the dead. And as we're going to talk about this morning, we're going to talk about the impact that has on our lives. It it is so fundamental to everything we believe. We're going to talk about the resurrection uh, this morning. Uh, But before we do, I just want to put it in context in terms of the series that we have been in. Now, we've actually taken a four-week break from our series, so it might be a little tricky to remember back uh, to what we've been talking about. Can anyone remember what series we are in as a church? The I Am Sayings. In which gospel? John's gospel. And how many are there? How many I Am Sayings are there? It's a bit of a trick question. There's two answers, really. There's seven I am sayings, but there is also another phrase where Jesus talks about being the I am, which we have also talked about as well, and we sort of started our series with that. So who can remember them? Go on, shout them out. I am the the door. (laughs) I am the gate, depending on which version. Okay, fine. (laughs) It's good I've got Steph on the front row here, (laughs) just to guide me through. I am the true vine, I am the way, the truth and the life, I am the good shepherd, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, and before Abraham was, I am, which is, depending on which way you look at it, not necessarily part of the seven, but we have uh, talked about it through... Our series, and I just wanted to go there for a second, if I may, just to put this all in context um, as we come to um, the seventh, actually, which I think, did anyone call it out? I am the resurrection and the life. We're going to talk about that this morning. So, right back at the start of the series, we looked at the time 
God names himself. And he named himself to Moses. He says that his name is, I am. Moses uh, is being sent by God. God meets him at the burning bush, if you remember the story. And he is being sent to Egypt to uh, take the Israelites, God's people, out of slavery under Pharaoh and to walk them into freedom. And questioning God, he says to God, but who should I say has sent me? And God says to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. The Lord The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. By calling himself I am, God is saying that he is the self-existent one. He is the pre-existent one. He has never not existed. No one else made him or created him. He has always existed. He just is. God has given himself a name which so profoundly describes who he is that he goes on to say, this is my name forever. And for the Orthodox Jew, the Hebrew Bible believing Jew, this is God's most holy name. So much so, they won't even use it. If you listen to Jews talking about God, they will use the word Hashem, which means the name. Or when they're praying, Adonai, which means Lord. They will never talk of the I Am. They will never say Yahweh or Jehovah. And I explain this because it's critical to our understanding of what Jesus is trying to say through the I am sayings. Jesus is unashamedly, perhaps controversially, saying that he is God. You see, he doesn't just utter the I am. He doesn't just mention it. Remember, the Orthodox Jew would never even utter it. He is, but incredibly, he refers to himself as the I am. This is the link that Jesus is making through the I am sayings. He is saying that he is the God of the Hebrew Bible and he is saying those scriptures in the Old Testament refer to him. He is the pre-existent one. Bear with me one second. This is at its most intense in the passage we looked at right at the beginning of this series. And Steph preached on John chapter 8. The Jewish leaders are probing Jesus to try and get to the heart of really who he is and where he had come from. And in direct reference to that conversation that God had with Moses in Exodus chapter 3, I think it is. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is saying that he existed before Abraham. And in referring to God's forever name, he is saying that he continues to exist permanently forevermore. It is no surprise then that the Jewish leaders 
it says, picked up stones to throw at him so as to kill him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. That's right at the end of John chapter 8. And there's a few more stories in John chapter 9 and John chapter 10, but essentially what it leads to is Jesus leaving the area of Jerusalem and Judea, which is where that was spoken, and heading east to the far side of the Jordan River, where he could continue to minister to people, but away from the glare of the Jewish authorities who were looking essentially to kill him. And then we come to our passage for today. Uh, I don't think we have it on the screen, so you're welcome to get your Bibles out or your phones out, or you can just listen to me read it. But we're going to go to John chapter 11, and we're going to pick the story up. So Jesus is on the east side of the Jordan, ministering to people, and then we get to John chapter 11 and verse 1. And it says this, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard this, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you now going to go there again? Let's hit pause for a moment and put this in context. So he has just declared before the Jewish leaders, when he said, before Abraham was, I am, that he is God, he is the Messiah, and they want to stone him. And he heads for some respite to the east side of the Jordan where he can continue to teach without being under the glare of the Jewish leaders. And then he decides to return to that very place where they wanted to stone him, to Bethany, which is a couple of miles down the road from Jerusalem, because his close friend Lazarus is dying. And Jesus comes to them, but he delays his arrival. Notice he waits two days before coming. Why? Because Jesus wants to raise Lazarus and so teach everyone something very important about himself. And we're going to come to that story now. So let's skip to verse 17. And it says this, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe, this. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, Martha, uh, being a believing Jew, or a good believing Jew, knew that the Jewish tradition taught that those Jews who had died would one day be raised at the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus is saying to Martha, he who you are waiting for, am him. I am God. I am the Messiah. I am the one who has come to give you resurrection life. The raising of Lazarus is the last miracle in John's uh, gospel, in John's account of Jesus' life that is, before, that is performed before Jesus dies and rises from the dead. And this is deliberate, right? By performing this miracle so close to his death, he is preparing his disciples to believe that he will rise again. And three days after his death, which we remember on Good Friday, on the day we now call Easter Sunday, today, he proved he is and will be the resurrection and the life. He was and is not only self-existent or pre-existent, but by raising himself from the dead, he has proved he is magnificently self-re-existent. In this one moment, Jesus vindicated everything he said about himself, proving once and for all that he is the one true God and that forgiveness and freedom from guilt and being reconciled to God the Father and being made holy are possible through him. If there is no resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sin. If there is no resurrection, we cannot be reconciled to God. If there is no resurrection, our faith is futile. We are all dead in our sins and there is no hope. Everything we believe about what Jesus did on Good Friday hangs on what he did on Easter Sunday. And this is true for our resurrection too. So we've talked about Lazarus' resurrection. We've talked about Jesus' resurrection. Now I want to talk about our resurrection. For if Christ has been raised, then we too shall be raised. Let's go back to our passage for today. Verse 25. I've read it a couple of times now, but let's read it again. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. 
The Bible says that one day Jesus will come again. One of the things that Jews and Christians have in common is they're both waiting for a Messiah to come. The Bible says that the dead will be raised. Jesus will judge the living and those that were dead. And for those that have, who believe, they will be brought into the eternal kingdom of God. We will be with him face to face. There will be no more tears. And we will reign with him. This is the hope that we live for. And it changes everything. The hope of eternal glory gives us the perspective we need to live today. Life takes on a whole new meaning. It's the preparation for the life to come rather than just all there is. It means I can be content with my lot in this life because I know even the greatest riches on earth don't compare to the eternity I am looking forward to with Christ. It means that the tough times that happen in life, though they may be hard, won't consume me. Because I know that this life is temporary. And in the life to come, mourning will turn to dancing. We all put our hope in something. Whether it's money, our pension, the irony of the word savings, <laughs> our looks, our achievements, our friends, our family. But for the Christian, it's in Christ's return that we place all our hope. So we're left with one simple but very profound question. And it's the question Jesus puts to Martha in this passage. Let's go back to verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? If you want a summary of John's gospel, it's this. In three words, believe in Jesus. This is the whole reason the gospel was written and it is the thing that Jesus is repeatedly addressing with those listening to him. Believe in me. So my question this morning, will we believe? Will you believe? Will you believe in the self-existing, self-re-existing Messiah? And I want to address a few groups of us this morning. For many of us, we've been walking with the Lord for uh, some time. It may be short, it may be long. But perhaps for some of us, the eternal hope that Jesus offers has not yet had its full transforming impact on us. So my question this morning is, will you allow that truth to sink in? Are you convinced by Jesus' resurrection? Do you deeply believe that one day you will rise again with him? Because the truth is, 
It's the only truth that offers hope in this life. The only true hope is found in Jesus, the resurrection and the life in whom we shall live though we die. This is the hope, if believed deeply, that will get you through your darkest days. It is this hope that means that you can come to terms with losing your job. It is the hope that means you can suffer, knowing it's temporary, and that one day you will have a resurrection body. And it is this hope that means you can finish well, rejoicing in your last days. My grandma passed away last year. And in her thanksgiving, one of her dear friends stood up and told the story of, the, uh, of his last visit to see my grandma in a hospice where she was being cared for as she passed away. And this man had grown very fond of my grandma. And he was very sad when he got to the hospice. You know what my grandma said to him? She said, don't worry. Don't be sad. I know where I'm going. And there is this wonderful passage in um, the book of Job that picks up on this theme. Job is a man that faced unbelievable persecution. He was upright and unwavering in his commitment to God. Yet he loses everything. His children, his wealth, and eventually his health. And after he has lost everything and in his last days, he is still able to say this. For I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. Oh, that we too will be able to speak like Job. I want to um, appeal to those who've never believed in Jesus. For some of you though, today, that may be a step too much. And I want to respect that because I'm keen that any decision to believe in Jesus is done thoughtfully and is therefore lasting. But I do have a question for you that I'd like you to reflect on. And it's this, what is stopping you? And there's two possible answers to this that I guess I see most commonly. One is this, you just can't believe that the resurrection really happened. I believe the evidence of Christ's resurrection is historically sound and verifiable. And I would encourage you to study the evidence. For some of you, though, it will be the realization that in Jesus giving his all on the cross, he is demanding your all in following him. Jesus said that if you want to gain your life, you need to lose it first. And I can only encourage you to talk to followers that are learning to lose their lives, and they can speak of the things that they have gained too. In the book of Acts, it says that when the Greeks heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. 
But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. So my question to you is this, will you hear us again on this subject? I, among others, would gladly talk to you about these things and we can work it through together. For some of you today is the day. You've been on a journey, you've been investigating it for yourself, you've been reflecting on the words and the works of Jesus. And today is the day that you want to respond to the question Jesus put to Martha, will you believe in me? And say, yes, I believe in you. And I just want to help you briefly think this through. In perhaps the most famous verse in John's Gospel, John chapter 3, verse 16, it, su- it sums the whole message up. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not die, but have eternal life. This is what's on offer this morning from Jesus, the great I am, the resurrection and the life. In Romans chapter 10, Paul explains uh, the process of putting your faith in Jesus and believing him for the first time. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. It is as simple and as profound as that. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. By the way, these are the two questions that we ask of people getting baptized. Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? To which the answer is yes, if you're being baptized. And will you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And we ask if people believe this to literally confess that with their lips. Jesus is Lord. So I wonder, as part of our response um, this morning, we're going to sing a a song that's called This I Believe. Uh, It's based on the creed, and it is a declaration of what we as Christians believe. Um, And there's an opportunity for everyone in all three of those categories to respond through this song. But for those who perhaps today is the first day that you want to declare Jesus as Lord, I would love to give you an opportunity to do that. Um, During um, this song, I'm just going to stand over to the side there. And if for you today's the day you want to say, Jesus is Lord, I believe he is Lord, then just come and join me down the front. Um, We have a brief conversation. And I would love to invite you to come to the microphone just very briefly afterwards and declare those three words because we would love to celebrate with you. But it will get you off to a good start declaring in front of others 
in what is a safe environment that Jesus is Lord.